Welcome everyone to the Progressive Podcast, the podcast that will help you progress your health and fitness goals, enabling you to enjoy life more by having a healthier and more active lifestyle. I'm your host, Luke Lamont, and I'm sat with my co-host, Aaron Williams, and on today's episode, we're going to talk about six training principles you must adopt in 2019. So Aaron, I think we can skip the catch up because we've already caught three. I'm sure people are bored of us by now. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna go straight into our principles. Now, we've got six principles. There's six that we both agree on. There's a couple that we've got in different orders. However, number one is know your outcome goal. That's something we both agree on. Aaron, do you wanna expand on what we mean by know your outcome goal? So knowing your outcome goal in, ter- in terms of what I believe it is, is knowing what you want to achieve at the end of your goal. So whether it be a weight loss goal, so at the end of your goal you want to achieve this amount of weight loss, um, or whether it's a performance goal where you want to, let's say, run 400 meters in a certain time uh, by the end of your I don't know, eight, nine, ten weeks, whatever time you're training for. Um, so knowing your goal is gonna massively dictate how you train. Um, what we wanna do is we wanna make sure that we're training for our goal and not for something else. For example, let's take a weight loss person. We don't wanna be using exercises that are only gonna be burning a few calories each time we do it. So, using the smaller muscles in our body. Like there's no point if you're training for a weight loss goal to be getting stronger forearms. Um, And then equally, if you're training for a performance goal um, and it's something like running, maybe bench press, for example, isn't gonna be your best bet depending how much time you've got in the gym. Okay, cool. So know your outcome goal for me, guys, means that a lot of people, when it comes to uh, revamping their body composition, so body composition changing the way you look, a lot of people, when they want to go about doing this, they stick to the cardio machines. Now, that's well and good for burning calories, but when you've decreased the amount of fat that you want to decrease, you know, what are you going to have left over? You're going to have this very little frame, this very non-athletic looking frame, but we all want to look toned, we all want to feel toned, and we all want to have a little bit of muscle mass to us. So sticking to purely cardio, you're not going to get that that look that you want, that feel that you want, come the end of your journey, if you like. So know your outcome goal for me means that if you want to change the way you look, change the way you feel, then you need to be doing things that are going to be in line with creating that outcome. So body composition, changing the way you look. Cardio is cool, but you've got to include some weights as well. So there's some muscle mass there just to ensure that when you get down to that body fat level or the amount of body fat mass that you have, that you look how you want to be able to look. Right, number two then. So again, we both agree on this one. And number two, the second principle is effort. So Aaron, talk about what you mean by effort. For me, I think it just means turning up and be willing to put the work in. So knowing that it's not gonna be easy um, and that you're, you're thinking about growth rather than thinking about staying where it's comfortable. Like Luke's just said about like going on the cardio based on what your goal is. If you've got a goal to look better, 
like Luke said, going on the cardio machines just because it's comfortable isn't always going to be something that's going to get you to to that goal. So it's putting in the effort and not only turning up and working hard, but pushing yourself out out of your comfort zone a little bit, um, doing things that maybe you haven't done before, to in order to get results that you've wanted and maybe haven't got before as well. Um, personally, that's what effort means to me. Okay, cool. So for me, it's if it's just trying, it's just getting there, and you know, not half arsing it. It's actually putting in effort. You know, not being afraid of sweating, not being afraid of, like Aaron said, getting outside your comfort zone and actually trying hard at it. You know, anyone can turn up to the gym and anyone can go laxy-daisy on the treadmill or lift the lightest weights in a gym or, you know, if you're comfortably lifting 20 kilo weights, why not push yourself, you know, put in the effort, try harder. So it's all about that effort, that trying hard and making sure that you're doing everything you can to succeed, if you like. Right, I think that's a, an easy one. Yeah. So number three then, this is where we do differ. So Aaron's got master the fundamentals and the compound movements. So that's, Aaron, you're number three. So you talk to the people, what you mean by master the fundamentals and compounds? So for me, mastering the fundamentals should be the first thing we do in our training. So you've got, you know your outcome goal already. You're willing to put the effort in. Now it's to master the fundamentals. So this comes back to effort as well, because it may not look as good as like what a back squat will, but we want to make sure that we're mastering that air squat first, so that body weight squat. If we can't body weight squat, then we've got no place going onto a barbell squat. Um, and then even other exercises will suffer because of it. So we want to master things like a squat, a hip hinge, so that's like a deadlift or a variation of a deadlift. So you've got like Romanian deadlifts, um, good mornings, variations of just hip hinges. So it's moving from the hips, keeping your torso in line and keeping a, uh, a neutral spine so it's straight back. So, a, like I said, an air squat, so a bodyweight squat, a hip hinge, a push, and a pull. So making sure that all these are look not only looking good, but making sure that they feel right as well. There's nothing worse than getting onto a back squat, for example, and squatting down a quarter of the way. We want to be making sure that on our squats, we're hitting a full depth. On our hip hinge, we're keeping our back straight. Um, and the hips is going back, we're not bending from our lower back. Um, a push, a lot of people with push-ups end up flattening their elbows out. We want to make sure that we're keeping it around a 45 degree angle. And then a pull, keeping our back straight, making sure we're squeezing shoulder blades together. For me, that is the fundamentals of what we should be doing in training. So before we jump on like heavy weights and the stuff that looks fun and the stuff that everyone else is doing in the in the free weight section, I feel like we should master these fundamentals and then later on in your training, you're not gonna get like the niggles that a lot of people get and the injuries. Okay, cool. So guys, number three for me is being progressive. Um, not because it's the name of what we do, but because 
whether you're coming in with a coach or whether you're coming in on your own, whether you're coming in under the guidance of a coach or whether you've spoken to somebody, all I want you to do is come in and whatever you're doing, try and progress it each time. So if you are sticking upstairs, uh, sorry, talking about our gym now, if you are sticking to the cardio machines and you're doing 10 minutes on the cross trainer, if you're hitting a certain distance today, can you beat that distance next time round? Because that's gonna improve you, that's gonna progress you along, that's gonna help you get a better result than what you're than what you would do if you just stayed how you were. If you've got say one mile on a cross trainer in 10 minutes, every time you come, you're not gonna change. But if you got one mile one day, the next day you got maybe 1.2, the next day you got 1.4, you're gonna improve, you're gonna get better, you're gonna get fitter. So you're gonna progress your training. Um, if you've not seen a coach again, you might just be sticking to the <coughs> to the weight machines, um, like the leg press, the lat pull down, uh, the rows, the chest press. You know, if you're lifting a certain amount of weight on that, one week can you improve it the next week? Can you try and progress that? If you're going to do that, then you're going to be getting a result much more than what you would if you just stuck at the same weight. You don't always have to improve the weight either, you can improve the reps. So I give clients rep ranges to work in rather than a set rep, okay? So for example, I will give them between 10 and 12 reps. So once they've hit their 12 reps for the required sets, I'd say three, then they go down to 10 reps and then they increase the weight and then they'll work the way up to the 12 reps and then repeat the process. So what I'm saying is, as long as you're progressing along what you're doing, for me, that's a key fundamental because you're gonna be getting better. You're gonna be making small improvements and you're gonna be moving towards that end outcome. Now, my number four is master the fundamentals. So when you do see a coach, you will probably will need to see a coach if you've never squatted, if you've never bench pressed, if you've never deadlifted, if you've never um, done any sort of rows. You know, the key movements that Aaron just said then, the push pull for the upper body, and then the hinge, and then the squat for the lower body. These are key movements that do need to be introduced. And for me, it's number four because if you've got the first three pillars in place and then you go and see somebody, you're gonna be there with the work ethic and able to push through quicker, providing that the technique is right. So for me, number four is mastering the fundamentals, the compound movements. And I would ideally say, see a coach about that because there are so many variables and so many things that people get wrong that I think it's crucial that you get them right first time around because it's, you don't wanna learn something wrong because it takes a lot longer to relearn it, to forget it and then to learn it right, if you like. A good tip if you haven't got access to a coach though would be to record yourself and compare it to a good looking squat, like tutorial video or something. Um, so record yourself and compare it to what a squat looks like, like a deep squat looks like. Um, not only if you haven't got access to a coach, I mean, you can get access to a coach loads of different ways these days, like not only just by seeing someone, but also um, online, you can you can get access to a coach that will be able to um, have a look at and analyze your movement patterns and tell you what you're not doing and what you need to think of. Um, so there's always a way, like Luke said, it, just find out a coach, someone willing to, to help out and do a movement assessment. Um, so yeah. Yeah, just to step in there, you know, when Aaron said find a, a good looking squat on like YouTube or something, um, a coach is gonna be so much better because 
we all squat differently, we all move differently. You know, me and Aaron squat very differently because, <coughs> cue the cough, because of our lever length, because of our mobility. So when I squat, I look a lot more stiffer, I look a lot, I look like I'm struggling more, whereas Aaron does it a lot more elegantly. So you might be more like me, or you might be more like Aaron, and then you might be comparing yourself to somebody completely different. Yeah. So it's only a ballpark if you do compare yourself to a YouTube movement, but the best thing to be would to yeah. uh, look for a coach and get somebody to assess you. Yeah. Um, so Aaron, number, where are we up to? Number four, uh, number four for you, It's progressive training, yeah. Yeah, um, so just the opposite way around, um, and it's it's not like we disagree with what each other's saying in terms of what we what we disagree on is just the order in which we put on, um, which is is fine. Um, we we're saying the exact same things in terms of progressing your training. Really, it's it is about progressing that weight slowly, and um, if you are hitting certain rep ranges, then progress so either if you're looking at increasing your strength come back down through the rep ranges but increase that weight up um, if you're looking at maybe getting a little bit fitter and using the barbell to get almost almost like a cardio effect in then slowly up up the reps as you go through with um, a certain weight and then once you hit let's say 15 for example then you can come back down through the weights and then build up again. Um, yeah, progressing your training is just, for me as well, is including more advanced movements in. So I've said about mastering like the air squat, the hip hinge, that's when once you've mastered those, we can then move on and progress onto a back squat, for example. So once we've mastered our air squat and we can squat well, then we can then we've almost earned the right to get get under the bar. So get the bar onto our back and then squat with that. For me, there's no point in, and I know it's exactly the same for Luke. Even though they're different ways round, Luke wouldn't put someone on a back squat, for example, if they couldn't air squat first. Mm. Um, so even though the different way around, there's also different ways of working it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the reason why there's a different way around as well is perspective. So I was looking at it from a point of view of people out on the gym floor, people just training, not having any coach guidance, whereas Aaron was looking at it from a, how he would coach people. So when we discussed it previously before the podcast, we both agreed. When we looked at it from my point of view, yeah, we said we won them to progress of whatever they're doing yeah but when we're looking from a coaching point of view yeah we're going to get them to master the fundamentals but the thing is if somebody's coming to us once per week we're not going to go right squat today and then that's what they're going to do between now and the next time we see us we're going to put them on a leg press we're going to put them on safe movements and we want them to progress that so it's just perspective and how we're both looking at it from different angles we both fully agree with one another's um order it's just from what perspective we're looking at it from, I guess, isn't it? Yeah. But the key thing is, you know, it always comes down to technique. It always comes down to to not doing anything silly, training safely, training properly, and then, you know, staying injury free, doing it right, yeah. um, putting in the effort and trying hard. 
That's um, the most important thing though, the, yeah. the injury free part is because you get injured and you've got two to three weeks out, for example, that's two to three weeks away from your goal, especially if it's a time-based one, um, and two to three weeks where most people do very little when they're injured. They tend to feel a bit sorry for themselves. They won't be in the gym, definitely not for, it may be just, it may be a knee injury, for example, but it's not stopping them from doing an upper body workout, but it will still stop them from doing it. Come, yeah, coming to the gym because there's the excuse there then that oh, I'm injured, yeah. I can't do anything. Yeah, 100%. Um, and they'll come for you as well. Yeah. Obviously, comfort eating comes with, you know, when you're feeling sorry for yourself, you've got a pulling toe, so you can't train up a body. <laughs> um, right, point number five then, uh, periodization. So for the next few points now, guys, we've both got them in the same order. So point number five is periodization. It might be a new word for you, it's a big word, but it's an important word that you'll need to know if you're in the gym. So Aaron, explain periodization for us. So periodized program has a clear goal um, of where you, where you want to get to and what you're gonna to do to get there. So when I'm periodizing programs, I'll look at what we wanna work on one. So what are we working throughout that cycle of training? Um, this is more from a performance point of view as well. But if we're looking at our over goal being, overall goal being um, to increase performance and increase fitness in football, let's say. Uh, maybe our first part of our periodization will be to increase strength. So it'll be a strength part of our program. Um, so I work it, we work in like mesocycles. So this can be like a month, like four weeks. Um, and then you've got your, your micro cycles underneath that, which are like your day-to-day -day sessions throughout them weeks. Um, but yeah, we'll say mesocycle cycle one is uh, strength. Mesocycle cycle two, we're gonna start working on a little bit more cardiovascular endurance stuff. Um, and then mesocycle cycle three, let's say we're, we're in the season at this point. We're then going to be working on like injury prevention, things like that, to make sure that during the season when we're not getting injured, um, and it comes back to the point about not being injured again, keeping keeping <coughs> fit, and um, that way we stay fit, um, and our periodized plan has took us to the goal of yeah staying fit and getting fit in the first place. Yeah, cool. I mean, there's so many different ways of periodization. There's different ways of going about it. You can do daily periodization, where if you're training three times per week, you might do something different over the three days. There's periodization where you work it in blocks, like Aaron just said, blocks of four over a 12 week period. So you might have four there, uh, three different blocks within the 12 weeks. Um, so how you might do that from a body composition point of view, changing the way you look, is that uh, the first mesocycle, so block one, the first four weeks, you might get some fundamental strength in there if you're a newbie. So you might work in the eight to 10 sort of rep range. 
not typical strength rep ranges because that's a lot lower, but we're not gonna put somebody new on lower reps because it's a lot more dangerous. They haven't got the stability, they haven't got the movement right, they haven't got the technique down. So we go with that a little bit higher, just build that foundation strength. And then phase two then, mesocycle two then, might be upping the reps a little bit. So it might be going then from 12 to 15 reps, working in that cycle for four weeks. And then you might then come down for the third cycle, mesocycle three, and then you might then go between six and eight reps and go a little bit heavier. Now you've learned the technique, now you've got some muscular endurance under your belt, now you've got the technique right, etc. You then be able to lift that a little bit heavier and then work on that rep range for four weeks. The other way of doing it is working it through the days. So on a Monday, you might have rep ranges between six to eight. On a Wednesday, you might then go 10 to 12, and then on a Friday, you might go 12 to 15. So then you're doing different rep ranges throughout the day. This is a whole podcast episode on its own, periodization, but we're just trying to get the, the basics across to you. I mean, another reason why you periodize training programs is because you wanna take out what's stale and you wanna put in some new things, whether that's new because you wanna learn new movements or whether it's new because your body's getting used to the current movements that you're doing. Or it could be that you just fancy something new, which is absolutely fine. We all get bored of our training, we wanna do new movements, you might wanna try a new approach. So that's when you, uh, you cycle in different exercises. And the reason why you stick to a block of training is because you wanna, you wanna progress that program. You want to try and exhaust every progression out of that program as much as you can and then once you stop or your progression slows down then you switch up the exercises give your body a new stimulus and then you go again and then you reap the rewards from that new stimulus and then you'd repeat the cycle so that's pretty much periodization in a nutshell um, and it's just the key way of making sure that you progress your training and reach that outcome so yeah, periodization in a nutshell. So number six then is isolations and accessory exercises. Aaron, I'll let you go first with this one. So this is stuff that is used on top of our compound movements. Um, for a weight loss goal, for example, I wouldn't put as much of a, like, I wouldn't put them as high up as what a compound movement would be, um, due to the fact that the isolations are normal. Normally, small muscle groups that aren't going to burn the amount of calories that we would in a compound movement. But I would still use a few of them in um, in the training. So I wouldn't just I wouldn't just say um, to someone that needs to lose a little bit of weight that all we're gonna do is compound movement throughout the session. There's still like little accessory work that we still need to do. Uh, I'll even use like kettlebell swings, even though it is still technically a compound movement. Um, I'll use that as an accessory to a deadlift, for example. So you're still getting that hip hinge and you're still getting that drive from the hip, but it's not that full compound movement of the full deadlift. Um, so accessories for me are used to help the compound movements. Um, and then I also use them as well for like posture as well. So people that are sitting down all day, maybe rounded shoulders, will then look at maybe really 
releasing not only the shoulders but also pulling back a little bit and using that as an accessory just to help increase our posture and that'll help out again with our compound movements and then also any little aches or pains that people are getting lower back so upper back all right cool so isolate uh, isolations accessories and for myself from a body composition uh, point of view they come towards the end of the session so you've exhausted your major muscles with big compound movements so for example squat then you might move on to a, a leg press and then you might move on to a leg extension so they're the kind of three for the quads the reason why you start with squat is it's a big heavy lift you're going to most bang for your buck leg press it's going to recruit similar muscles to the squat it's just in a little bit of a safer format because it's on a machine and then once you've exhausted more on the leg press, you then move down to a leg extension, for example. So they're all working the quads. The only difference is it's the joints. So a compound movement often recruits more than one joint, whereas an accessory or an isolation exercise recruits normally one joint. So more muscles or one muscle. Um, isolations are more for rehab and for sculpting. Um, so bodybuilders would use isolations a lot more than um, strength athletes, although strength athletes will include them. Um, so once you've exhausted your compounds, then you'd move on to the accessories towards the end. Alternatively, you can start with isolations and accessories just to get blood into that muscle to then go and do your big compounds. Now the only thing, if you're going to do that, don't exhaust them too much because you're then going to knack yourself your compounds and it can become dangerous and you won't get as much bang for your buck out of your compound as what you possibly could. So if you are, for example, going to do bench press, you might want to do a fly before, but don't go too heavy, don't go too wild. You only want to contract the muscle so that you get enough blood in there so that you're a little bit stronger on your compound. But you don't have to do that. That's just one option. That's just called pre-exhausting and that's one variable used in bodybuilding and body composition training as along with many others. Uh, I don't think that much needs to be said about isolations and accessories other than don't be silly with them. Put them towards the end of your training, you know, for most people. And you probably only need, you know, less than a handful, a couple of exercises towards the end. Again, depends on your pro how your program looks. Uh, we're getting towards the end of the podcast now, we're running out of time. So what we'll do is we'll skim through the six points for you, which number one, is know your outcome goal. Uh, number two is effort, so put the effort in. Number three for Aaron is master the fundamentals and the compounds. And then number three for Luke is progression, so progress your training. And then obviously number four then for Aaron is the progression. And uh, number four is master the fundamentals and the compounds for Luke. And then we both agree on number five and number six is that periodization is number five and then number six is isolations and accessories so guys there you have it so there's your six training principles that you must adopt in 2019 if you're unsure reach out give us a message if you're in our gym come and catch us we're more than happy to have a further discussion help you out with some things um, and until next time guys that'll be all and remember make being progressive a habit <laughs>